Okay, now you see this gentleman? Now he's giving me this, uh, this sign and it says, we're on in 10 seconds, so get ready to have a good time. Get ready for the game and get to know your favorite Lightning players. This is exciting, isn't it? This is the opening face-off with LightningInsider.com's Eric Erlinson. All right, here we go. On Lightning Power Play. Happy Hockey Day, Lightning fans, and welcome to another edition of the opening face-off show here on Lightning Power Play. I am Eric Erlinson, your host from LightningInsider.com, as well as Lightning Lunch. You can hear weekdays noon to one, so we'll be on the airwaves tomorrow at noon recapping tonight's game against the Dallas Stars. That is a 7 p.m. puck drop right here on Lightning Power Play. Dave Michigan and Phil Esposito will have that call for you. Uh, don't forget, Greg Lanelli follows this show at 5.30 with Lightning Power Play Live. And that bleeds right into the pregame show at 6.30. And, of course, the game at 7. And uh, Dallas in town tonight. This is going to be a uh, interesting game. You have one of the higher scoring teams in the league in Tampa Bay against the best defensive team in the league in the Dallas Stars. And it was interesting in having some conversations with some around the Dallas organization this morning that, you know, that, that they kind of have some some big names in terms of on their roster. Jamie Benn, uh, Tyler Sagan. They added Joe Pavelski in the offseason uh, as well as Corey Perry. Uh, obviously, Ben Bishop and Nett. We are very familiar with Ben Bishop and his accolades. Um but they don't have any stars. That's definitely not a pun on words, not an intentional pun on words. Uh, but it is in some ways because, you know, those big names, the Tyler Sagans and the Jamie Benz. I mean, Jamie Benn won a scoring title a few years ago. Granted, it was fewer than 90 points that actually won the scoring title for him a few years back. But he enters tonight's game, seven goals and 16 points in just 35 games. And then you have Tyler Sagan with seven goals and 19 assists for 26 points in 35 games. So, you know, you're looking at it, and those aren't big numbers. They're not that big of numbers for players that, uh, A, make up the a big chunk of their salary cap. Those are the big contract guys uh, on this roster, uh, especially Sagan and Ben. Uh, you know, they bring in a Pavelski who uh, carries a, a pretty uh, hefty uh, salary cap hit himself, you know, coming in over from San Jose. Of course, Tampa Bay courted Joe Pavelski in the offseason, looking to try and bring him in here too. Uh, ended up being probably a little bit too much uh, for for the cap purposes for Tampa Bay to try and bring him in. But even Pavelski got off to a slow start, you know, seven goals, 15 points here through 35 games. Perhaps the biggest and the best goal scorer on this Dallas team might be one of the best names in hockey, Rupe Hints. Yes, Rupe Hints. He's a he's an exciting player. Don't get to see him too often uh, playing in the Western Conference, uh, but he comes into tonight's game leading the Stars in 12 with 12 goals. He's going for the Cy Young. He's only got three assists to show for it, but uh, he is their their only guy in double digits and goals. Um, so they don't have a ton of offense. You know, even though they have some big names, they don't have a ton of stars. Again, there's that pun on words. So what makes the Dallas Stars so successful? Well, it's their defensive play. It's their goals against. And, you know, again, this is a Dallas team that got off to a very slow start at the beginning of the year. There was some questioning what was going on. They were 1-7-1 through their first nine games, and they have really turned it on, uh, certainly turned things around since then. They uh, they went through a stretch of 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12 games, registering a point. They went 11-0-1 between October the 29th and November the 25th, and they have really pulled themselves up. Again, there was a lot of questions about their start because of the expectations on this team. They didn't make it to uh, round two of the playoffs last year. They lost in double overtime to eventual champion 
St. Louis. So, again, expectations on the team. And they come in tonight with 42 points through 35 games, a record of 19-12-4. And, and that 42 points is tied with the Winnipeg Jets for third in the Central Division. Uh, they do currently occupy the number one wild card spot in the standings, but they're five points behind Colorado for second in the Central and six points behind the St. Louis Blues. So you can see how they've really turned things uh, around as a team. And then you go through their game by game. You know, they come into tonight with a 4-1-1 record in the last six. And here they are, two goals against Winnipeg. One goal against the Islanders, one of the few teams that's beaten the Islanders of late. Shut out the New Jersey Devils. Gave up three in an overtime loss to Vegas. One goal to the Nashville Predators, and only two to the Edmonton Oilers, uh, to the Edmonton Oilers in a loss in their previous game on Monday. And what's also interesting about these stars is the coaching change that they went through just a couple of weeks ago. Out of nowhere, Stars head coach Jim Montgomery was let go. Not a performance-based situation. This was right around the time of the whole Bill Peters, Mike Babcock, coaches, conduct uh, sort of thing. It, it actually it was the weekend of the owners' meetings where this whole coaches' code of conduct came out. And it was announced on a Monday that Montgomery was not going to be there. And the team, of course, you, you're not going to come out and say what the reasoning was other than to say it was for uh, basically character detrimental to the team or against the team's um, it's not code of conduct. It's you know it, it's it's their expectations for you know for for who you are and how you carry yourself. I the the word escapes me at the moment. Um, but that he was let go immediately, like on the spot, on the spot he was let go. And Rick Bonus, who of course spent a handful of years here uh, with John Cooper, he was the associate coach before he was let go two years ago after Tampa Bay lost the conference final to the Washington Capitals. Um, you know, Bonus was let go. He quickly joined the star staff, uh, and now he's an interim coach. And, you know, this is – Rick Bonus is one of the greatest guys you will ever come across, not just in hockey but in life. Uh, always has time to talk to you. Um, has so much knowledge of the game and understanding. Like, Rick Bonus has been around for 40 years as a player, as a coach. Um, but this is his first time, and it's, granted, he's the interim coach for now, but this is his first opportunity to be a head coach since 03-04, I think, was the last time he was um, in a head coach in any capacity. He was an assistant under Wayne Gretzky in Arizona and took over from Wayne Gretzky in the desert. So an opportunity for him, and that was his last time, that came during the 2003-2004 year. He coached the final 20 games that season. Um, you know, you, you don't think of it. His first head coaching job was with Winnipeg at the age of 34, back in 88-89. And I'm not ashamed to admit that's the year I graduated high school. So you can put the math together and figure out how old I am. So... The only other time he's been a head coach, he was a head coach of the Boston Bruins for a year in 91-92. He was the expansion coach for the Ottawa Senators, was there for th four, three-plus seasons. And then he was with the Islanders for a couple years, and then Phoenix. And now, you know, this is a basically a 15-year gap between opportunities to be named as a head coach for Rick Bonus. So it's a great opportunity for Bonus to come in and kind of be – uh, a guy that leads his team. Uh, you know, he's always wanted an opportunity to coach again. And now the opportunity is there for him as a head coach. He's obviously been a, a, a great assistant for a number of years. He was with Elaine Vigneault in Vancouver and was a part of that team that got to the Stanley Cup final uh, in 2011 against the Boston Bruins. Uh, a lifer. If you want to talk about a guy who's a lifer, Rick Bonus is definitely a lifer. And he is chasing an elusive Stanley Cup Obviously got to the Stanley Cup Final with Tampa Bay in 2015. So he's had some kicks at the can. So Rick Bonus now the uh, interim 
head coach uh, for Dallas. And, you know, if you know anything about uh, Rick Bonus, he he preaches defense and um, structure and everything else. I remember having conversations with him, and one of the things that stuck out with me or stood out with me for a couple of years ago was when he mentioned, you know, we want to be a team that wins three games, well, wins games three to two and not lose them four three. Right, so that's his mentality. It's always been his mentality. So it's not a surprise, you know, he's come in um, with the Stars and turned them into one of the better defensive teams in the league. It certainly doesn't hurt to have the goaltending they've had. I mean, I, I thought Ben Bishop, honestly, probably should have been the Vezina winner last year. I know Andre Vasilevsky won it. But if you look at the numbers and everything else, it, I mean, Vasilevsky had the wins, but Bishop was, you know, first or second in just about every other category. So felt that uh, he probably should have won the award last year. And he is off to another good start, which is no surprising for the best defensive team in the league. 2.07 goals against average Bishop has. He's got a 9.33 save percentage. Uh, we do expect that he'll be in the net for, stars, uh, for the Stars tonight. Um, so uh, it's going to be a difficult game for Tampa Bay. And, you know, we talked about it the other day. You're in a situation now where you're going to have to start putting some points together, putting a little bit of a run together if you're the Lightning. And you picked up important two points against Ottawa the other night with the overtime win. You've got Dallas here tonight. You've got Washington on Saturday, Florida on Monday. You know, So there's an important stretch of games coming for this Lightning team to try and find some ways to put some games together. And you have to build on something. And the one thing that they've built on is they are a team that has had the puck a lot. I mean, they've had it a lot here uh, in the last little while. It's been the mistakes that have cost them. Talked a lot yesterday about the situation with Nikita Kucherov and, the, and being benched for the third period. You know, that's kind of... a. I don't want to say it's under the bridge now, but we're almost there. And, um, you know, he'll he'll be fine tonight. You know, we talked to Steven Stamkos this morning. Uh, he's not worried about how Nikita Kucherov is going to respond. I don't think anybody should. We'll talk to Bobby the Chief Taylor about that here in a little bit as well to get kind of his thoughts on it. But, um, you know, so he'll be back um back to hopefully being, you know, the MVP that he was. Um, so you're going to need him going. You're going to need the team going. You're going to need this puck possession game to continue if you just kind of cut down on your mistakes. And, you know, we're deep enough into the season now to where we shouldn't continue to be talking about these same type of mistakes happening, and yet here we are. So look for Tampa Bay, and not just because of what happened to Kitty Kucherov, as Steven Stamko said it, it, you know, that was just probably the kind of the last straw, not just with him, but for the team. And as Stamco said, look, it could have been me, could have been Braden, meaning Braden Point, could have been Victor Hedman, could have been anybody in that situation, and they probably would have been uh, in the same boat as Kucherov was. So, you know, if there was any concerns about Nikita Kucherov, he was back on the top line at the morning skate, he was back on the first power play unit, there's no ill feelings here, there's, you know, nothing like that. So, um, so this is an opportunity now for hopefully you get some accountability, and that's a big word that's come out the last couple of days um, with this team, and take advantage of the opportunities they have and don't give the other team an opportunity by making mistakes. Make them work for it. Um, one other bit of roster news before we cut to our first break here. Matthew Joseph was reassigned to the Syracuse Crunch this morning uh, ahead of tonight's game. Uh, the roster freeze, the holiday roster freeze, goes into uh, effect at midnight tonight. So that that move had to be made before we got there. So uh, so Matthew Joseph sent down to look for Mitchell Stevens to stick around for at least the next week or so. All right, we're going to take a break right now. Uh, when we come back, we're going to replay a interview we had with Ryan Callahan uh, a week and a half ago. Uh, Ryan Callan, of course, doing some work with the NHL Network nowadays. He's a studio analyst from time to time. 
Uh, so hope, hopefully you can check out some of his work. He does a great job now being integrated into that side of it. So uh, we're going to replay that uh, that interview with Ryan Callahan when we come back. So stick around. You're listening to the opening face-off on Lightning Power Play. After the puck drops, drop by lightninginsider.com. I think you'll find me more than qualified. This is the opening face-off with Eric Erlinson. Booyah! On Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to the opening face-off here on Lightning Power Play. I am your host, Eric Carlinson from lightninginsider.com, as well as Lightning Lunch. You can hear weekdays from noon until 1 p.m. here on Lightning Power Play. Again, Dallas Stars are in town tonight. That's a 7 p.m. puck drop. And uh, normally we have a player interview here for you, but we wanted to replay this Ryan Callahan interview that we had about a week and a half ago because uh, I just find it very insightful, and, and Ryan Callahan uh, typically – is a very insightful kind of guy. So we want to get some of his thoughts, not just on the team that he sees playing right now, but his transition from player to analyst. So uh, this is Ryan Callahan uh, from about a week and a half ago. I hope you enjoy it. And we are pleased right now to be joined by former Lightning forward and alternate captain Ryan Callahan, who is doing some work these days for the NHL Network, uh, some analysis work. And, Ryan, we really appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, how are things in the post-playing days for you? They're good. They've uh, they've been good. Thank you for having me on the show. And uh, things have changed a little bit, spending a lot more time at home, which has been nice with a young family. And, and as you said, starting to do a little bit of analysis work with the NHL Network and a um, bit of adjustment there, just getting used to my surroundings here, being on TV more and, um, putting a little makeup on, you know, that's a little <laughs> bit different, but, uh, but I've, uh, I've, I've enjoyed it. It's, uh, kept me in the game. It's kept me interested in it. Um, you know, and I, and I like talking hockey, so it, uh, seemed like a good fit for me. So I haven't had a chance to talk to you since the news came out over the summer about uh, the back issues. Just how hard was that to hear? I mean, we all know at some point, you know, you guys understand that at some point the skates have to be hung up, but how hard was it to hear that news? Yeah, I mean, it was extremely tough when you, you get that news. As you said, you know, you know, at some point the, the career is going to end, but to have it, uh, you know, come sudden as it did, it was really difficult. I, I obviously dealt with some back issues through my career, and uh, last year we got to a point where it was, it was almost unbearable, um, you know, day-to-day, -day, uh, game-to-game. So in, in the back of my head, I thought that, you know, hopefully once the season was over, I was going to be able to go to a specialist, uh, figure out exactly what was going on, and, and get it fixed. And uh, after talking to a couple specialists, everybody was giving me the same answer that uh, I had a degenerative disc disease that uh, unfortunately wasn't going to be able to fix to the point where I can I can play hockey again or make it better so I could uh, so I could get through another season or, or two and uh, it was it was tough news to hear um, you know in my head I thought I was going to get it fixed figure out what was going on and continue to play I felt like I had a lot of game left in me. Um, I thought I played well down the stretch there for Tampa. Obviously, it was a challenging end of the year being a healthy scratch quite a bit. But yep. the games I did get into, I thought I was playing some of my best hockey. So uh, I was excited about the next year. And unfortunately, you, you get that news and it, it hits you hard. And, you know, you, you start thinking about other things and uh, and what else you want to do. And it's, it's, it's tough news to get. How long did it take for your mind to make that transition? You know, from, okay, I can't play anymore. What do I do next? Um, you know, it, it happened pretty quickly for me where, you know, I knew I was coming towards the end of my career. So it's kind of the back of my head, you know, what are you going to do when, when you're done with this and, um, you know, how are you going to stay in the game? Cause obviously that's what I wanted to do. And, uh, this opportunity with the NHL network kind of fell into my lap. They reached out to me and, and offered me to come in and, and do this. Uh, and two years ago I had a chance to do it during the world cup and I came on for a couple shows and I really enjoyed it. So it was in the back of my head that that's something that I could be interested in when I was done playing and I couldn't work for a team because I was under, I'm under contract with Ottawa right now. So yep. that option was out the window and, uh, and it seemed like a great fit for this year. Just, uh, see how I liked it and, and, uh, see how I liked uh, being on TV and talking hockey. Well, and I know you've been told this a hundred times, and I think I've even mentioned to you before that you'd probably be great in this role. So how much did, as people talk to you about this, that, you know, did this something that you thought could be something that eventually you might end up doing? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you don't know. You, when you're when you're you're so concentrating on the game and day-to-day and, -day and um, you know, and, and life as, as a hockey player, it's so focused. So you're not really thinking about, you know, outside of, of what you're going to do next. And, 
like I said, I think coming here for the World Cup really opened my eyes to this. Um, if someone had asked me before that if I if I wanted to be on TV and in media or anything like that, I probably would have laughed at them. But um, <laughs> it gave me a chance to to try it out, and I liked it. And and like I said, the situation that I'm in now, where uh, I'm under contract with Ottawa, I can't work for an NHL team. I thought the timing was perfect uh, for this year to just stay involved in the game and uh, and see how I liked uh, this side of it. So how do you like this side of it? You've done it a few times now uh, throughout the course of the season. What uh, what was that first step behind the camera as an analyst like? I've enjoyed it. Um, I think the biggest, uh, I guess two biggest things are is, um, paying attention to the teams out west that I didn't do a ton of when I was playing just because <laughs> yeah. you're so focused on your division and your conference. Um, so I've learned a lot about the teams out west uh, personnel-wise and things like that. Uh, so getting used to, to, to seeing those games and then trying to stay up with everybody in the league and what was going on, you, you're so focused on your own team and division. Um, you know, when you're playing, you're not, you're not so focused on every other team, and uh, that's something I've gotten used to. And then the other part is just getting on camera and talking about players and teams and um, things going well, things going bad, and being comfortable with that. Um, I mean, I guess as you know, I've spent a lot of time in front of the camera as a player, yep. uh, especially my days in New York with all the media there. Um, media was huge in Tampa as well uh so the being in front of the camera part I you know I don't mind at all and and I got I got used to as a player so that wasn't a big adjustment for me it was more the learning about every team and and also trying to criticize players in the right way when uh when the time is needed that has to be the hardest part right because you're you're still close enough to the game and certainly to the players you played against probably just about every player that you're, you're watching highlights of and, and putting packages together, but to find the right ways to be an analyst, right? Like, I remember asking this question on Mike Johnson, you know, going the transition from being a, a analyst who played as opposed to a player who's now an analyst, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, no, it's that definitely is a big adjustment. And, I, and you know, coming into it, I, I think I had the mindset that, you know, if there's something where you got to be critical of a player, there's a there's a right way to do it. Um, there's a right way and a wrong way. I mean, you don't need to bury a guy, but at the same time, you need to give the information. And and I'm sure. I mean, I know as a player, I've I've seen people be critical of my game, and um, you know, and I don't get mad at them, and I, I realize that, and I know players realize they can be better in situations, and there's a right way to do it. And um, I'm hoping that early on here, I I found that right way to do it, and. Um, there's a time to be critical, obviously, but uh, there's a lot of good things going on in the game too that uh, that I enjoy talking about. Were you nervous the first uh, first show? Um, a little bit, yeah. I mean, obviously, you get a little bit of nerves and um, not knowing what to expect. I feel like I've definitely gotten more comfortable as the as the shows go on, and I think the biggest thing is just how things are are run. Um, you know, you got the producer in your ear, and uh, you have the rundown of your show, and, and trying to keep up with what's next. Um, you know, that was the biggest adjustment for me is just trying to keep up with what was next. And uh, the part I enjoy the most is when we're just watching games and, and talking about goals and plays and, um, you know, just sitting and chatting and hockey. That's what uh, what I enjoy the most about it. Yeah, we're joined here by former Lightning player now, NHL Network analyst Ryan Callahan. And uh, what was what was the first time that you kind of had to put together or, or talk about the Lightning? I mean, was that awkward? Um, yeah, it was pretty pretty quick right away. I mean, uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, obviously being fresh out of that team, I think they wanted uh, a lot of my knowledge of what was going on there, and um, the start they got off to wasn't wasn't great, and, and everybody knows that, and so they wanted to know what uh, my inside look was at that. But uh, like like I said before, I mean, you know, you're you're honest with yourself, with the team, you're honest with your evaluation, and. Um, you know that's all you can do. So uh, it's a little bit awkward talking about guys that, I, that I'm close friends with or a team that I'm close to just because I've been with them for so long. It's uh, it's a little bit awkward, but um, I've seemed to found, find that line and uh, and hopefully I'm uh, on the right side of it. Does does it feel that same way if 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 the Rangers too? I know it's been a few years and not a whole lot of guys uh, left in New York from your days there. But does it, does it feel that same way if you're asked to do something about the Rangers? Not, not as much, and I think you, you said it. I'm so removed from there personnel-wise. I think there's only maybe three guys that I played with um, still on that team. So, um, you know, I don't feel as connected with that, the Ranger team, the current Ranger team, as I do with the, the current Tampa Bay Lightning team, obviously. All right, now we, we did hear you on the airwaves down here as uh, you were a guest on Dan Girardi's 
podcast. <laughs> what uh, that, by the way, it's Block Party with Dan Girardi. For those who aren't familiar with it, what what was that like to come in and just kind of chat with with Dan in that setting? That was fun. I had a lot. Of, I had a lot of fun with that. Um, I think me and Dan both had a lot of fun with it. And, <laughs> It's uh, good to see kind of a different side of us when we're we're not playing. I mean, that's how we usually are away from the rink and kind of ribbing each other all over each other all the time. And, uh, you know, I think this has helped the transition for me also is, uh, gee, obviously living in the Tampa area, two minutes from my house. Um, our families are close. So, you know, I've had a chance to, you know, hang out with him and be with him and not be completely removed from, I guess, the players or the guys. You know, that's the hardest part is when you leave hockey is yeah. – all of a sudden you're, you're away from the guys you're not with them every day and you know you could feel isolated almost um but i've had g there and i think i've helped g also and in, in this transition so it uh we've been good for each other and uh i like what he's doing there with the the block party podcast <laughs> i didn't think he would get into something like that but um he's done great with it and i, I enjoyed being on with him and so he he told the story uh i think on one of the first shows he had about where he wanted to go to a concert here and he didn't have tickets. Things were falling through. So Ryan McDonough invited him. Why don't you just come into the players' box? And his wife gave him a dose of reality and said, "Dan, you're you're not a player anymore. Have you had any of those moments?" Um. Yeah, we. I have. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, you still want to be around the guys, and obviously yeah. you're still close with all of them. And uh, you know, they had their Halloween party, obviously not too long ago. And um, I remember me and me and Girardi actually were coming from a concert. We saw a Zach Brown band uh, there in Tampa, and we were debating if we should stop in and say hello to the guys. And um, it is there's a little bit of awkwardness because you know it's a team party, and you don't want to yeah. intrude on the team. And um, you know, in a team setting like that, that's that's hard to do. But uh, luckily enough, I've I've stayed close with a lot of guys on that team. I mean, I've so many good friends that I still talk to them all the time. We hang out together, not exactly in a team setting, but individually and. Uh, you know, I, they're friends for life, a lot, of go, a lot of those guys on that team. So you're down here now. You still have your house here. You plan on staying here, or is that still up in the air in terms of what you might do, you know, with the family? Yeah, it's still kind of kind of up in the air right now. Um, you know, with things kind of coming out late last year and what was happening and where we were going to be and things like that, it made sense to stay in Tampa this year. Obviously, our foundation is a huge part of the reason why we wanted to stay in Tampa. Yep. Um so we're kind of it's a year-to-year -year thing right now. We have to – obviously, my voice, wife is from Rochester, New York as well. we got family, grandparents, everybody's back there. Um, you know, it's hard to, to keep the kids away from them. But uh, there's definitely some decisions we have to make as a family coming up if we're going to, you know, stay in Tampa, which where we absolutely love, or if we'll, we'll head back home. So with the foundation, are you more in actively involved and in maybe not necessarily day-to-day, -day, but uh, a little bit more involved than maybe you were when you were playing? Absolutely, yeah. I've had a lot more time for it, which um, has been great. Um, we're still doing the suite at the, the Lightning Games, so the nights we have the suite, um, instead of meeting the, the kids afterwards in the locker room, I'm actually going in the suite and watching the game with the kids, which has been uh, been awesome. I've really enjoyed doing that and just hanging out with them, their families, and uh, that's something I never got to do while I was playing, so I've really enjoyed doing that. and. Um, my wife's the one who, who runs the organization. She doesn't like to give up too much of her uh, <laughs> of her duties. Uh, she's pretty controlling with it, but she, she does such a good job with it that, uh, you know, I, I try to stay out of the way with that, the day-to-day -day stuff. But um, definitely get a chance to, to spend more time with kids and families, which is, which is tremendous. All right, uh, last question here for you, Ryan, before we let you go, and really appreciate you spending a few minutes here with us uh, on the show. Um, as you kind of sit back and you see some of the, the elevator that the team down here has been on since the start of the season, obviously the expectations and, you know, the season that you guys had here last year and the way the postseason ended, just kind of what – just a quick analysis of what you see from this team on the elevator ride they've been on. Yeah, I think the the start they had, obviously everybody knows it wasn't the, the start they wanted or anyone expected. Um, I really liked what I've seen from them from that Sweden trip on. Um they played well in Sweden. I know when they came back, they won a game or two, and they lost three in a row there recently. But I, looking at the games, because I, I, I still watch them a lot, I, I like the way they're playing. I think they're they're playing more as a team, defensive hockey. Um, dating back to the Carolina game, I, I thought they should have won that game. They had a tough first period, but um, had every chance in the world to win that game. Um, just couldn't put the puck in the net. And then I think last night's game was a, a huge building block for them, just the way the game was. It was a, a physical game, um, a lot of power plays, penalty kills, uh, tight checking game that they got on the right side of. And I think that's a game that you, you can build off of. And 
there's no secret going into the year they wanted to try to concentrate more on defensive hockey, limit turnovers, and, and, and it, it takes time. And I think maybe the start of the season was a bit of the learning curve of, of getting used to that new system or new idea of uh, worrying about your own net. And um, I think now we're starting to see the beneficiary of the struggles early on and maybe trying to change the way they play a little bit. All right. Uh, Ryan, again, I can't thank you enough. Uh, go put on some makeup, get back behind the camera, and uh, continue <laughs> to do the good work on NHL Network. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, Eric. Always good talking to you. All right. All right, that was Ryan Callahan. Again, I hope you enjoyed uh, hearing some of his insights. Uh, he was always this way when he was a player, so it's uh, that's why I kind of wanted to get this back out there and uh, see what he sees now from a different point of view instead of being in the locker room, what it's like from being outside the locker room as well. All right, we're going to take our second break here right now. You are listening to the opening face-off on Lightning Power Play. When we come back, it'll be time to be joined by our good friend, Bobby the Chief Taylor, and we're going to get some of his thoughts on the Nikita Kucherov situation ahead of tonight's game. Stick around. And now I'd like to introduce the man who will put the U in improvement. Eric Erlinson. Today you'll see me in my greatest role. This is the opening face-off on Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to the opening face-off here on Lightning Power Play. I am Eric Erlinson, your host. Find my written work at lightninginsider.com and make sure you also tune in weekdays from 12 till 1 p.m. as I also host Lightning Lunch. That is a live show that we do, so we take questions and interactions and we have guests on the show and we dissect and we talk about games and whatever else comes up on the menu. Speaking of what else comes up on the menu... Our good friend Bobby the Chief Taylor now joins us for our usual segment here at the end of the show. And always great conversation. And, Chief, we never know where this is going to go, so people <laughs> have to tune in. And we have no idea where today's conversation is going to take us. But, Chief, I think we have to start. By the way, welcome. How are you? Uh, good. Fighting a head cold. But yeah. Good. Yeah, it's that time of the year. Yeah. it's uh, The weather doesn't help, as uh, Connor pointed out to us as Although well. I sound more like Richard Burton now. It's radio voice. Yeah. Radio voice time. I should do voiceovers now. Hey, <laughs> second career. Yeah. Uh, all right, so I mean, we have to start with the obvious and, and the storyline, the, the big storyline coming out of the game the other night against Ottawa was watching Nikita Kucherov be benched for the third period and for overtime and in a tie game, by the way, you know, so your best offensive player sits. And this is nothing unusual. This is not anything that – we haven't seen before, I think, of many times. And I bumped into Jay Feaster yesterday uh, and talked to him for a few minutes. But, you know, we saw this with John Tortorella and Vinny LeCavalier uh, back when, you know, Torts was kind of here for the first time. And there were a few third periods where Vinny didn't see the ice either. You know, so it's – I guess it's it's not – in today's day and age, maybe we don't see it as much as we used to. But, uh, I mean, what, what was your thought as you watched uh, – Nikita kind of sit at the end of the bench there. Well, first of all, this day and age, you probably have to ask permission <laughs> to bench them. You know, it's just ridiculous. But anyway, you know what? It, it's accountability is what we've been talking about. We've kind of been circling around that whole uh, uh, part of the game, and you have to have that. You, you can't. And it wasn't just you know that last play. I mean, it was the last two goals. You know, where he was in a big position to, to uh, the first one was when Connor uh, Brown scored that goal. He yeah. he was right there and turned away from him and was heading up the ice to get that breakaway pass before we even had control. Then, you know, when you're up by one goal with that much time left, you know, you want to keep the puck in deep and you try to make a fancy play. Well, what what it is is, is basically trying to send a message, I believe, to everybody. Yeah, I mean, that, you think about it. I mean, you're 1-1 against Washington. You go down and you lose 5-2. to two. You know, you, you, you get a point uh, in the game that you should have won before, or that one we just talked about. You know, you got to – this is where you got to learn. you got to shut down teams now. You, we've said it so many times, E, and we've talked about it so many times. You don't get more than two points for a win, whether you win by one goal or win by 14 goals. So, yeah. you know, that's the whole point. I mean, if you're if you're thinking about the team and winning, you're shutting teams down. But if you're not, then that's what happens. You blow leads in the third period. I, I want to go get my points and yada, yada, yada. And well, you're not going to win that way. 
and I think it sends a message. And your your best players have to be the most accountable because they're the ones that get the most ice time, and they get the most cherries too because they get the power play time. They get all the chances to be the big offensive stars, which everybody notices. So if you're not going to uh, play your 200-foot game when you're out there as well, then something has to be sent to the rest of the team because if you're gonna, not going to discipline your stars, how are you going to discipline your, your, your foot soldiers? It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess now the big question as we look forward to tonight's game against Dallas is how does he respond? And I think the first indications we could get – was like he didn't he wasn't sitting there in the corner pouting you know I went back and watched a, a good portion of the third period and you know in overtime I think he was on his feet for most of the overtime you know so he was still engaged in the game and you know when Anthony Sorelli went down and scored the, the OT winner there he was engaged in the game uh, and a lot of people were like well how come he didn't join the team celebration afterwards well he actually went down and and talked to Andre Vasilevsky we would assume for you know uh, making himself accountable for that turnover We'll see how it plays out tonight. But when you see a player react that way in the moment, does that give you an indication of how he's going to handle it? He'll handle it well, believe me. I mean, he's got a lot of pride. You know, I, yeah, I know he's he's been – he's given – he's had a lot of giveaways. I think he's second in the league for giveaways uh, uh, throughout this season so far. But you know what? I mean, same with Fassie. You know, these guys work hard. They're the hardest working guys there, and and he can do it. And it's just some, all it is is maybe a make up, a wake up call. That's yeah. all. I have full confidence that you watch him tonight. He'll be a beast out there. And he, and he, you know what? Because he's got pride in his game, and I think it's just a reminder. You know, sometimes you get caught up in, you know, the goals and the assists and how great you are and 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 how good you are and how fancy you are, and but you forget that you know sometimes the game reverts back to its simple origin you got to be the keep it simple you know the old kiss method and uh, as crispy would say keep it simple and safe not keep it simple stupid you can't say stupid anymore <laughs> <laughs> keep it simple and safe so you know winning is what it's all about now yep. everybody's got their uh, personal accolades now you got to win and winning hockey is being smart and I think uh, he'll respond well I have full confidence in that well, and I think that's one of the things that's misunderstood, I think, by some people who will view this as, a, as an issue. I don't think it's an issue. Um, and also, I don't think Nikita, like Nikita Kucherov is not trying to hurt his team. No. He's got so much confidence in his abilities, he thinks he can make a play every time. And it's you want a player who has that kind of confidence. Now it's just an understanding, as you said, situational play. Yeah. You're up 3-2. It's late in the second period. There's no reason to make a high-risk play there. And I think that's just kind of the mentality that the coaching staff has been trying to get through to everybody, not just him. Right. Everybody. He just seems to be the kind of last guy who's kind of getting to understand that, and maybe this will help him. It, it should. You know what? And I mean, I mean this, this is a team that – I mean, take a look at it. There's only two teams that have the worst home record going into that game last yeah. night. Only two teams have the worst home record. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And and uh, so for me, and we were tied with Arizona for the third worst record. You know, and Arizona's so good on the road; they're the number two team on the road. But for me, it's uh, you know, they're finding a way now because of making sure they play the right way t to become a winning team. You know, when you get down to the nitty gritty. I mean, last year we out we keep talking about last year they outscored their mistakes. This year they're having a tough time doing that. Yeah, well, and I go back a lot, and I and I've brought this up more than a few times. And one of the the post game comments that John Cooper made after the game one loss to Columbus in the playoffs last year, when they were up three nothing, lose that game four three, was, you know, we're we're too worried about trying to get the fourth goal when we don't need any more. We don't need any more goals, and, and I think that's. That's the message trying to get through here, right? Like in the in the game against uh, Ottawa the other night, you're up three two. You don't need another goal. You just need to make sure you don't give up another one. Uh, and if you do, at least make sure they earn it. Don't give it to them. And yeah. You know, certainly I felt that they uh, kind of gave, um, you know, Ottawa that that tying goal there. Well, if you take a look, a lot of their uh, losses, it's it's the teams haven't had to work hard for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to make a guy make teams, especially at home. You got to make teams really work their tails off to get to win this game, and a lot of our losses here it hasn't been that way, you know, wide open guys and uh, giving up the blue line. I mean, there's times in that game <clears throat> when it, where they would the other team would get the puck at the top of their circle in their zone. Our defense was behind our blue line already. Yeah, I mean, what? That's not gap control. So you you, you it's it's you, you know and and the best thing the way. 
they are such a good forechecking team, the Lightning, that, you know what, that's the best offense or defense you have. Just get on them and get on them and get on them. And they're really good at it. I mean, we've seen five-on-five five playing a lot against a lot of good teams. Washington in that game for sure. Yeah. You know, we, we had five-on-five five times that we're, we, we looked like we were on a power play. But the point of it is, once the puck crosses our red line, that's when all of a sudden we, we, we become the bad news bears. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's uh, obviously an area the coaching staff is trying to get across. And it's been an emphasis since the team reported for camp back yeah. in September. Yeah. So, uh, again, we're joined here by Bobby the Chief Taylor from Fox Sports Sun. Uh, I thought it was very interesting, and Chief, I wrote about this uh, after the game, the dichotomy of how that game ended, right? You've got the 21-year-old Sorelli who works his tail off. He's always had to work for everything he's had, uh, earning more ice time compared to Akutrov, who's the gifted, offensively skilled guy, the MVP, Art Ross Trophy winner from last year. And I thought it was kind of fitting the way that game ended <clears throat> from a storyline standpoint that it was, you know, and John Cooper mentioned, he Sorelli continues to earn every bit of ice time he's been given, and just the will and determination that Sorelli put forth. I know your eyes are lighting up as we bring up Anthony Sorelli's name again, but to watch him just will his way to that goal, I thought was a very interesting sort of balance between what we saw develop in the third period and how we saw the game end. Yeah, boy, when he scored it, he looked like a deer on ice there. He was all <laughs> arms and legs going everywhere, you know, and it's funny because he was he was going so fast, he just lost his balance to everything. It was nice to see the puck go across the red line before he drilled the goalie, <laughs> yeah. though, I'll tell you that, because that was about two or three times that's happened. But uh, And he did hesitate. He was like, oh, is this going to come back? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know Wayne Cashman used to make fun of Mikhail Anderson. He says, you know, uh, Spike has to stick handle to the end of the net before he can <laughs> score a goal. Well, we're seeing the second coming of Mikhail Anderson. But, no, he, it, it is. I mean, for me, I, I think that's what's really made that line. I mean, you got Sorelli and, and Kalorn is on fire right now. Yeah. Stammer's playing so well. But because you, you one guy on the line can really make the whole line, and you drags you along. It's, it's, and I love Coos. Uh, saying when he said this was a couple of weeks ago, he says he drags you into the fight. Yeah, and 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 I that's perfect. And uh, you know I, I I you know it's we keep thinking that you know we see games like the Boston game, you know, in games where they play really really well and, and win the game, and you think okay now that if they finally found out and got the hold of it, this is how they have to play, and then all of a sudden no, you don't see it. So the consistency is not there. I mean you. Obviously, you're not going to win every 82 games. There's no question about that. But, you know, we're not the 77 Montreal Canadiens that only lost eight games in 80 games. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the point of it is, is that you got to make people work and earn their victory. So many times, it's it's too easy for them. You know, I mean, Washington had that. We had that team on the ropes after 40 minutes, even though it was only 1-1. Yep. And yet, then the third period, it was just. Phew. Well, I've said it before, and I'll say it again until they can do it. They should be the Boston Bruins because the Bruins are the epitome of a team that does not beat themselves. Yep. And, th look, they don't have anywhere near the offensive depth that this team has here. Right. But why are they successful? Well, they get good goaltending, and they don't beat themselves. And they don't give – yeah, I mean, think about it. There's a reason why their team's 27th defensively. Yep. I mean, <laughs> that's not acceptable. Yeah. You're not going to win anything if you're that poorly def and defending your end. Yeah, another player I want to talk about, Chief, uh, Matthew Joseph was reassigned to Syracuse earlier today. Um, stuck with the team all last year. Uh, look, he even said it in training camp. He knew that he couldn't rest on what happened last year. He had to come in and earn his spot, and he did. Uh, but his play sort of lately, you know, I'd, we brought up the, the, the play that he made in the Washington game where he didn't go with the three attackers. He stayed high in the zone, led the three-on-two rush. That ends up being the, the – third goal that Washington scored in that game. You know, and those when I'm not, I'm not picking on Matthew Joseph for his mistakes, but, you know, when you start to evaluate a, a, a player and how they're playing, uh, you know, the penalties have been there a little bit. He's had, what, they have four straight high-sticking calls on him or something like yeah. that last week. Um, you know, the production hasn't been there. Uh, and, you know, if your defensive play isn't going to be there, you know, when, you're co when the coach is evaluating. So, the roster freeze goes into effect tonight, so to make this move, they were going to have to make it before you know that that roster freeze went into place. So, what can going back to Syracuse do for Matthew Joseph to maybe try and find his game a little bit better? Wake him up. I mean, really, if you take a look, it's over the last month. You know, it, 
you you can't be satisfied in this game. You can't really think, okay, I've made it. I'm going to be here for ten years. It doesn't work that way. You know, you you you've got it's it's the same thing as about when you have a chance to win the cup. You know, they, oh, we're we're young. We got a good chance to win it. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't work that way. You only get so many chances to grab that brass ring. But I I think that one of the things that has to really get across in my mind uh, with the team is the fact that, you know, sometimes things aren't working for you offensively. You know, the goalies are making big saves on you. They're getting sticks in there. So when you're not being able to score or do anything, you've got to do something to help the team. So that means your defensive end of the game has to be a lot better because – that you know that the only difference in that plus minus thing is for me is that I mean it's kind of odd stat but I mean it, there's a lot of mitigating circumstances that go into it but it just shows you that you're if you're on, if you're if you're on the ice for uh, minus that means the people that they put up against you or you play against score more often than you do yep. and you can't have that happen I don't care if you're a big offensive guy but it, it was a wake up call I think sometimes. You get a little complacent because you think, well, I'm here, you know, and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm a checker. But you know what? You think that you, you can get away with it. You know, he's got great speed, and sometimes he thinks he relies on that. But you you got to be a little bit more than that. And um, he, this is a wake-up call. You know, he's a young guy. He's going to learn. You know, it's just like a young defenseman, you know. I mean, you know, Sergachev has been a, 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 a frustration sometimes too. But he's just turned 21, and, you know, he's starting to get better and better. You know, just go back to Victor Hedman. Boy, the first three or four years here, everybody thought, what are the worst draft picks we ever had? Yep. Not lucky you got a Vesna trophy or a Morris trophy guy uh, on a consistent basis, and he's outstanding. Well, it takes a while to get this game and, and how you play the game and the competitiveness down. And, you know, there are times in the minors where, you, you know, you can take the days off. But up here, they're too good. You can't. You're not going to be good every day, but you've got to put the effort in there. The one thing every player can control, every player can control, no matter how much talent you have or how least talent you have, is your ability to work hard and and smart. That's the key. And I think this is going to be a good wake-up call for uh, uh, Matthew. How much do you think, too, you know, because we, we pointed out his game against Washington, um, Mitchell Stevens comes back up, and Stevens was the healthy scratch against Ottawa, that was an opportunity for Joseph to say, okay, I can see, you know, Mitchell here. What's that mean for me? Uh, so how much did Mitchell Stevens' play since he got the call up has, I don't want to say pushed or, you know, but his play I think is dictated and, and warrants an opportunity for him to maybe stick around a little bit longer. How much do you think that factored into this decision as well? Well, for me, it's uh, there's a, fa- a stat when you look at the stats, 69.23% in faceoffs. That's why. It's a nice number. Yeah, that's why. We, you know, we, we're very good in faceoffs right now. I mean, we're I think we're in the top five in the league right now uh, with faceoffs, and which is good because we've never been that high. You know, a lot of us do the work of Jeff Halpern all yep. year long, or maybe for two years now that he's done. So for me. Um, um, I think that uh, that's one of the key things. He, he brings a lot of energy, you know, which helps. But that face-off ability, I mean, even that last game that he did play, they sent him out in the last, latter stages of the game to win face-offs. Mm-hmm. So he's doing that. There's always something that you have to do to make coaches wake up and sit up and take notice. That stat alone, when you're down near 70% of your face-offs, that's pretty impressive. When you know the league wins it with a high fifty percent. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, and you know now you're starting to talk about um, you know being able to go up against guys like Bergeron and and maybe win more than yeah. you used to because yeah. that used to be a guy who would come in here and he would he would be seventeen for nineteen yeah. in faceoffs or whatever it was because he takes a lot of draws. Yeah. Um, you know, for a team that wants to talk about puck possession, that's a good way to start yeah. puck possession. Yeah, exactly. So that's the one I think that's what. Really, but he also you know he brings a lot of energy. He, he's got good speed, you know. Uh, he's he he go he works hard in the uh, in the corners and along the wall, you know. But that one stat alone, uh, you know, for somebody you know like Matthew wasn't really doing any anything outstanding uh, in the first part of the year. You got a guy that's come up and in six games or whatever it is that he's played, uh, you know. I think you 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 uh, four games. Um, you got a guy that's got uh, doing something in the faceoffs. 
something that you can you can do now with two guys with uh, Stamkos, the right-handed shot, Stevens, the left-handed shot. You got two guys that can control both space-off circles. So that's that's something we haven't had since Tim Taylor and, and Dave Andrichuk. Yeah, yep, and we know where that led. Yeah, not saying it's going to lead there. No, but It'd be nice it, if it does. It could, but yeah, it could. Uh, that that could be the difference again. I I remember thinking back, and I and I brought this up. I don't know a few days ago, game three against Montreal in 2004, round two, right? Dave Anderchuk just casually flips a puck in from outside the blue line on net, gets the faceoff, right? So you, you get a dead play, you get a faceoff. He wins the faceoff, and three seconds later, Vinny's between the legs, game-tying goal. I mean, those little things can lead to those type of situations. So, you know, they shouldn't be overlooked. There are minor details in the game that can lead to big, big things. Big time. I mean, that's the thing. That's what, you know, they're playing hard. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you, when the games are, they're playing hard and they're out shooting teams, you know, in, a, in the statistics wise. But it's just the the times when they when they're when they're not playing smart, and you know, and then and, and this team has been, uh, you know, the, their culture has been let's just score, let's just score, let's just score, and so t sometimes it takes a little while for them to say, well, okay, you know, like yeah, I know Andy would come into the room back then and say, listen. And that's what he would get on Marty, and and he get on Vinny and Brad Richards. Listen, we got enough to, goals to win, so just don't be taking these uh, crazy chances, just because you want to win by four. We get the same points if we win by one. Again, we're joined here by Bob and Chief Taylor. Catch him on the pregame and intermission and postgame show tonight, uh, after the broadcast. And all right, Chief, let's look at this Dallas Stars team. A uh, lot of big names with the Sagans and the Jamie Benz, and they bring in Joel Pavelski this year, and Corey Perry is now a part of this team as well. Uh, ben Bishop, we know about Ben oh, yeah. all too well. Um, but they don't score a lot of goals. But the reason that they win a lot of games is because, lo and behold, they're first in the league in goals against. Yeah. So how tough is this team going to be to score against? Well, let's put it this way. I don't think you're going to see a five- or six-goal game, you know, combined. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're twenty seventh in offense, and Lightning are number two. Okay, so now you got the number one defensive team, and the Lightning are twenty seventh in defense. So it's kind of a, you know, this is the old classic one: the great offense against the great defense. It'll be, it'll be, it's going to be a hard fought thing because, believe me, the, you know, those that team down the hall from the Lightning knows full well they can't get in a run and gun game. You know, even with those guys with the with the the, the good pedigree, mm -hmm. but especially against the Lightning. If you want to get in a run-and-gun game, they'll embarrass you. And so it's going to be a very tightly played, kitty-bar-the-door type game in my mind. And uh, I think it's just a matter of your, 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 your special teams are going to be important. The one thing about it is the Lightning take a lot of penalties. Dallas doesn't. Yep. So the Lightning's power play might be nullified because they don't take a lot of penalties. So the Lightning's pen penalty kill will have to be good too because – you know, if if you look just look at the stats, the possibility of Dallas getting more power plays than us is a pretty strong one, and so your penalty kill has to be better. Can can the Lightning take anything out of Tuesday's game against Ottawa? Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the opportunities that they need to take advantage of here with these home games starting to dwindle down this month uh, to get on a roll to to start putting some points together. So. Uh, it, it, it was nearly an embarrassing loss the other night, not because of the opponent, because of how much you dominated them in puck possession and everything else. Uh, so what can you take out of Thursday's game against Ottawa, which is a little bit of a different opponent than you're facing tonight? Well, I think that the benching of Kucherovs is the message, that you gotta you got to make sure you make the safe play. And situation time score. You've heard me talk about STS all year long. Yep. You have to understand what's going on on the ice before you go out there. You just don't show up and play. You know, you know, it's situation. If you're like Cooch, you're up high in the blue line, you got one goal lead, you got a guy on you, you want to make the safe play. You can't make that spectacular play every time. So I, I, I think the reaction to that from everybody in the, in the team is going to be interesting to see tonight. And it should be where everybody's going to start playing. Well, we got to play a little bit safer, a little bit smarter when we have the lead. We don't have to go that willy-nilly all the time. It's not necessarily too early to look at the standings, but you have to be aware of where you're at in the standings. 
So is it a surprise that we still sit here and talk that there's still two points out of the number two spot in the Atlantic Division, considering how much we've talked about things not going Tampa Bay's way this year? Well, exactly, especially with the home record. But the, the only difference is, though, right now, I mean, if you can look at the sits, uh, parts of the schedule, okay? The Lightning um, are what now? F three of the next four games or four or five anyway that they have at home? I think Washington on Saturday is the last one. And then after uh, the 29th, they go where they only have three home games uh, out of 15. Yeah, all January. Is so that's going to be a very tough schedule. So in other words, to offset uh, what could probably happen in that January, you've got to be very, very solid and win these games the rest uh, up until the new year. Well, and I guess the good news is is that with the win over Ottawa, they're 10-2 and two against the division. And you've got – uh, after we get well, before we get to the Christmas break, you have Florida on Monday on the twenty third, and then you have Montreal, and then you have Detroit, and then you go on a road trip that takes you to Montreal and Toronto and Ottawa. So you've got a lot of division games coming up. I think that's an opportunity too, when we kind of you know we take it game by game. But we're not going to do that here. We're going to talk about what's coming up. Uh, it's an opportunity to make up those points. In the standings here, Buffalo is also on the schedule to New Year's Eve. Um, you know, to if you can put a little run together, all of a sudden you're going to be outside the playoff picture to maybe in a little bit more of a comfortable position if you can do the right things. Well, it's a lot easier to win at home than it is on the road. So I don't care if, we, if, if, we're, if we're playing uh, our sisters, of, lady sisters of the poor on the road. you got to look at the ones we have here at home. The home – when you're just two games over 500 yeah. at home, you're not going anywhere. You got to win your games at home. Everybody says you got to be really good on the at home and only 50% on the road, and you're going to have a great season. Well, you know what? We're not really good at home right yet. That's just where you have to establish. This is where you got to make your hay. You know, I'm just saying that these games have to have the emphasis yeah. because we have we have that tough January, and I think this is where they, you know. You, you, and you want to play better at home. And you have a better chance of winning at home, too, because you don't have to travel. And the travel day is usually a practice day where you can work on things and, and get it going. And, get, and, and well, I shouldn't say get it going, but, you know, repeat, repeat, repeat. You know, the old John Wooden thing. Yeah. And, and so that you become better and, beca and it becomes uh, second nature for you. From a player's standpoint, is, is it – hard to ignore the standings and keep your head down and go out and do your work or they watch it everybody does it you can they tell you oh we don't be baloney everybody <laughs> looks at it you know what come on you know it <laughs> how can you not you know well you better yeah i mean the whole point is i i don't think it makes it so urgent and everything but they everybody knows full well there i don't think they realize that they haven't that their record at home is that is not that good you know, when you're nine, seven, and one at home, you're not. That's not outstanding. Where, what we we lose what six home games all year last year? Seven, seven. Yeah, we've already matched that number. So the point of it is, is that um, I think that's the key. You know, I mean, just because you're at home doesn't mean you're an automatic win. But I mean, the thing of it is, is, you have a better chance to win at home because a you're not traveling, and b you got more time to practice so you can work on things. When you're on the road, you basically have the morning skate to work on on things because you're playing three and four nights and all that stuff and then you're traveling and all you don't get a lot of practice time so it, it's tough to to make adjustments on the road at home you have a better chance to do that so um i i think they'll be coming out flying tonight i really do do you think in any way there's been too many home games of late and i, I know there's you have no control over it the schedule is what the schedule is but you know and we've seen 12 game home stands uh you know in a march not too many years ago and you know, but this is 14 out of 18 at home. Is it almost too many home games? I think so. The ideal thing would be is to um, uh, uh, come to um, – uh, you like to maybe have two or three and then go on the road for a couple. And, you know, when you're too long, I mean, it's – it's it, it, it can get – it can get pretty – I wouldn't say stale, but, you know, comfortable mm -hmm. is probably a better word. Well, Comfortable Chief is how our conversations always are, no matter what the topic is. Uh, we really appreciate that. Um, Dallas Stars, 7 p.m. tonight. We'll catch you on the pregame show and intermission and postgame show and everything else. As always, Chief, thanks for your time. We'll be back at this on Monday 
when the Florida Panthers are in town. Right. Thanks, E. All right, Bobby the Chief Taylor has been our guest here on the opening face-off. That's going to wrap up another edition of today's show. Uh, make sure you stick around for Greg Linelli with Lightning Power Play Live 530 tonight. Um, so he follows this show, so stick around for Greg. Uh, again, the pregame show is at 6.30, and the, and the uh, broadcast starts at 7. Dave Michigan and Phil Esposito will have that call for you. All right, I'll be back with uh, Lightning Lunch tomorrow at noon. Make sure you check that out. We'll recap the game tonight. Uh, we'll take your questions as well, and we'll have a lot of fun, as we always do on the show. All right, we'll be back at it with the opening face-off on Monday. Enjoy the game tonight, everybody. So until we talk again on Monday, have a happy hockey day.